From 1975 to 1977, uh, my family lived in Cameroon, West Africa, and my, my dad was a missionary, of course, and they took these three little boys with them. I was in the first grade when we went over. Uh, and it was a great time in my life, I'll just tell you that. It was like my, my young Indiana Jones years. It was, it was so much fun. So the house we lived in uh, backed right up to the jungle, and uh, there was a, a barbed wire fence around our, our, home, our uh, yard, rather. And uh, like one night, we had a black panther come out uh, of the jungle, and he ate one of our pet monkeys. But hey, that's, you know, that's the way it goes, I guess. I don't know. But we had a lot of animals and, and a lot of fun, different kind of lifestyle, obviously. We lived, uh, lived um, among the natives, if you will, and so I had lots of friends that were, that were locals. Uh, and, and there were two seasons in Cameroon. There was a dry season for six months, and then it rained for six months. And again, we lived on the edge of the jungle, and it was so cool. You could sit on the back porch, and you could hear the rain coming through the jungle because the, the big raindrops were hitting the big leaves uh, of the trees, and you could just hear it kind of like a wave coming towards you. And during the rainy season, it was great. I mean, every little boy's dream, my mom allowed us during the rainy season, during a, a rainstorm, to go out and play in the rain in our Whitey tidies. It was a lot of fun. So me and my two younger brothers uh, would just run circles around the house, you know, running through the mud, throwing mud at each other, uh, sliding through the mud, running through all the puddles. It was, it was a great time. Now, I will say also that um, we didn't have kind of the sanitation that we do here in the metro, the trash pickup, etc., and so what do we do with all the trash? Well, we dug a pit in the backyard about five feet deep, and we threw all the trash in there, and we would burn it on occasion. But during the rainy season, if it was an especially long uh, storm, that, uh, that pit would fill up with water. And I remember Mom telling me this story, and of course I remember it, I was there, but running around the house with my brothers, I, I came around the house one time to the backyard, and I saw this really big water puddle, and I thought, man, it's going to be fun to run through that. <laughs> Little did I remember that, oh, that's the trash pit that's now full of water. So I ran through the puddle and certainly went, my mom says, just disappeared right under the water. Uh, and then popped back up, kind of like when you're fishing on the lake and you've got the bobber out on the lake. Uh, and had just trash all over me. Every mom's nightmare, of course. Uh, I pulled myself up, I'm muddy, but the rain is still coming down, and so I eventually kind of get clean. But you know, that's a similar picture maybe of how the world might look at us and try to pigeonhole us. They use a couple of different phrases. You're either put together or you're thrown together. Put together or thrown together. And I would like to think in the mid-90s, I was one put together dude. In living in central Arkansas, I had the mullet going on in high school. Yeah, which is back in now. Um, I also had uh, some parachute pants that I wore. I had a couple of shirts with the Japanese writing on the front. Even had the gold ball earring in my left ear. Oh, I was a happening kind of guy, let me tell you. Put together by society's terms, at least in central Arkansas, maybe not in New York City. Uh, but put together nonetheless. You know, and last week we got to go out to Pepperdine Lectures, my, my son and I, and we just absorbed so much great information in those classes and the worship times together. But you know, Pepperdine is located in Malibu, and there are a whole lot of put-together people in Malibu. 
I mean, a lot of nip and tuck, a lot of plastic surgery, a lot of Botox. I mean, we saw cars that I didn't even know existed in Malibu last week. The food is great. Everyone is just, just exactly how they're supposed to look and supposed to be. And you know, every single day, you and I are bombarded with commercials, whether it's on social media or television, of all the things that we are missing in our life, that if we just bought this one product, we would be put together instead of thrown together. You know, we'd kind of have, if we just had all of these different things, we would be the right kind of people. That's what culture kind of presses in on us. And you and I lean into the story of God and realize that Jesus Christ is the one who puts us together. No product in the world will ever do that. My mom, who uh, has attended here now for some years and lives with us, um, she might be one of those people that, according to her resume, the, the world would say, maybe not put together very well. She married right out of high school, age 17, had me when she was 19. She, she didn't go to college or have some extended education. Later on in life, she battled uh, breast cancer and won. She went through a very difficult divorce that really pressed her emotionally in a lot of different ways. She had entered the workforce that she had never been in to kind of figure out how to make ends meet. And the world might look at her and say, she's not very well put together. But I want you to know, Mom, and every other woman in here, that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And there is nothing that this world could ever do to you to take that away from you because you're made in the image of God. And Jesus Christ lives in the middle of your life and no amount of anything on this earth can ever take that away from you or change that in you. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And today in our text, the psalmist wants to reveal that to us. Psalm 139, if you've got your Bibles, turn there. And by the way, happy Mother's Day. It's already been said multiple times, but I want to add my two cents. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. The psalmist talking to God says, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. And every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day came to pass. The psalmist is talking to God, and God wants to remind us that we are beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of our Creator. You are a beautiful child of God. And Paul wants to remind us of that too when he writes to that church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 where, where Paul says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Paul says, look, you are God's masterpiece. You're at the top of the creation pyramid. You are everything that he hoped for. 
He loves you so much and wants to be with you so much that he actually sent his only son to die for you and I so that we would have the hope of living with him forever. Church, that's something to say hallelujah about. I mean, what a joy we have knowing that there is nothing this world can add to us that God hasn't already given us. Verse 13 just reminds us that the being in him Created in his image is the essence and reality of who I am. And there are moms here today, women here today, all of us here today who need to be reminded that you are incredibly special. You are made in his image. And this culture likes to work from the outside in trying to make us pretty, but God reminds us that his creation started from the inside out, making us beautiful. I love the message version of verse 13. He says, you shape me first inside and then out. And you and I end up all day long grasping for the things that are going to make us feel secure in this life. And God has already given that to you and to me by saying, you are mine. You're my child, my son, my daughter. You're part of my family. I love you. You see, our security comes from being found in Christ. Our security is from Christ himself, and that must flow from the inside out. It seems basic, but we spend our lives wasting it pursuing those things that are going to to go go away that are going to rust and corrode and be destroyed that are not going to last through eternity you know jesus his whole ministry career he he battled those folks who who on everyday uh, conversations their goal was to be pretty on the outside is to lift up the outside, to make sure that they looked right through the public's eyes. And Jesus wanted to remind them then and us now that beauty actually begins inside, where God started with you in the first place. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And Jesus says to those Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, beginning verse 25, he makes the point. He says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, wash the inside of the cup and then the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is saying, look, you can look pretty on the outside all day long, but the truth is, if you have not said yes to Jesus Christ, if you haven't grasped that idea, then the truth is you're a lot like a tomb, maybe pretty on the outside with the flowers, but inside full of dead men's bones. And he goes on in Psalm 139 and verse 14 to remind us, God, your works are wonderful. Your creation." Each and every one of you 
are beautifully and wonderfully made. I love the context of the psalmist as he writes. He says, man, I am made so very well. But sometimes we don't think so because we've allowed voices all around us in culture to tell us that we're something different than we actually are. And some of you moms here today have, have had to endure years of maybe being told that you're a terrible mom or you are an undeserving wife or a poor coworker who's incapable of understanding. You're not very talented. You're not a good leader. You're a selfish friend. And at times being a mom, I can only imagine, is a thankless job because you wear so many hats. Growing up, my brothers uh, and I were trained well. Now, we didn't always take it to heart. We didn't always follow through with what we were taught, but we were trained well. His mom always made sure that we said thank you and yes, ma'am. Take your plate to the sink. That's the right thing to do. Pick up your room for the 100th time. (laughs) Hold the door for strangers. You see, all of those things remind us of Jesus, who puts other people before himself. That's how we're called to live. You did your job well. All of us have to live in the idea of being second. That's the life that Jesus has called us to. It's that Christ-like attitude that helps us move through life so well. And mom taught me to be that kind of person, although I don't always get it right. But Christ inside me and inside you makes all the difference in the world. Without Christ, you and I are hopeless. But with Christ living in us, we have the peace and the hope that we so long for each and every day. With Christ, I am absolutely whole. There's nothing else that I need in life to fulfill me. His plan for me completes me. And church, there's no amount of of things purchased uh, in the garage. There's no right part of town. There's no right circle of friends. There's no amount of money in the bank account that will absolutely make everything right. Nothing will complete you except for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him and him alone that we find completeness and wholeness and purpose. And when we grab a hold of that idea and internalize it and be reminded that you are beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of our creator, it's then that we can move past all of the things that life throws our way. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. Now, my mom likes to watch cooking shows. How many of you like to watch some cooking shows in here? Several hands ago. So, mom, you're not alone. One of her favorite shows is Pioneer Woman. Now, I will say that we have benefited from that show many times. (laughs) Mom watches that show, and then uh, we'll come home in the evening, and she's got something she saw on the show cooking on the stove, and it turns out to be great. And uh, we eat probably more than we should, but uh, that's kind of how it works from time to time. I remember two or three years ago, we uh, took Mom to where the Pioneer Woman is filmed on their ranch. 
She was like giddy like a schoolgirl. I mean, she was so excited. She was standing where, you know, she normally is the pioneer woman and the camera's on her. She was standing at the stove. She was looking through the pantry, opening the fridge. I mean, uh, checking the drawers out. She was just beside herself. She was so excited that she actually wrote a note to the gal and put it in the drawer of the kitchen. I hope she finds that. Give me a call. Let's hang out. Do coffee. I don't know. But you know, when mom cooks those meals and we get full and we push back from the table and it was so good, we get up and we say, and I love you. And she says, awesome. I love you too. How did you like the meal? And our reply is, I love you. Well, that's nice, but that's not what she wants to know. She wants to know how the meal was that she cooked for you. You see, the best way to, to compliment the cook is to compliment the dish. And the fact that we like what mom made brings mom joy because she made it for you. And I don't really think that we can really worship God until you appreciate how you have been put together, how he made you. You see, when we compliment the dish, we esteem the cook. And when you rise up and thank God for how he made you, it is just the opposite of pride, but pure humbleness to know that nothing that you can do ultimately can ever change the way he made you. There's nothing we can add to our resume, our life, that can change really the way he made you. So incredibly important for us to understand and comprehend. And even though we live in a fallen world, and even though there are days when my world seems like it's falling apart, I trust that God made me in such a way that I can rely on him, that I realize no matter what's going on around me, I am beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of our creator. We have his spirit living within us. And you may look at your life right now and, and you may not like the way that your kids are behaving. You may not like the, the few pounds you've put on over the holiday season that haven't gone away just yet. You may not like the way your spouse interacts with you or how much money you're putting in the bank every week. But how you feel about yourself is a reflection of how you feel toward God because God made you. When I was in the ninth and 10th grade, we lived in Texarkana, Arkansas, and I was a part of uh, the school's Air Force Junior ROTC program. And so we had the uniform and the haircuts. Well, I was on the rifle team. It was, it was a lot of fun learning how to march and, you know, all of those kinds of things that you learn in those kind of programs. And we had an incredible instructor. His name was uh, Sergeant McConnell. And Sergeant McConnell was a great affirming teacher. Uh, he was a, a terrific guy, more like a granddad, I think. He was, he was retired Air Force, but he was still wearing the uniform and teaching us a few things. He, was, uh, he and I had this kindred uh, connection and when we moved away in the 10th grade, he actually wrote a letter to my dad uh, reaffirming me. And I still have that letter to this day. He's, he was a great guy. But one of the phrases I remember him saying to us as we were marching and learning to march, I remember I would look, we would be looking down at our feet, making sure left, right, left, right, you know, doing the right things in sync. Not the, not the music group, but together. <laughs> I remember one of the phrases he would say is, hold your head up. You have nothing to be ashamed about. And no matter where you are in life right now, what kind of history you've had, what baggage you think that you're carrying with you through life, no, no matter the relationships 
that you have, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Hold your head up. You have nothing to be ashamed about. You're made in the image of our Creator. And no matter what the world is telling you, whether or not that uh, you're, you're pretty enough or have enough money or have the right family or live in the right part of town or own the right house, there are moments when you may feel like you're a failure. You haven't lived up to expectations. But know that God says you are rich in everything because you're made in my image. You are my son, my daughter. You are beautifully wonderfully made. Don't ever let the world tell you anything different. They will whisper in your ear and try to get you pulled off story, but know that you're beautifully and wonderfully made. To restate Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I want you to hear that as you leave this morning. Because the world presses in hard on us and tries to distract us from how we're called to live out our life, realizing that we are children of the living God who's created us and known us even before we were conceived in the womb. Amazing that our God has traveled with us that long. But you know that peace that you and I are wanting in life, that, that leaning into that unconditional love and to recognize and know that we are children of the Most High God, that doesn't happen unless you've said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And there are some here today, maybe joining us online, that have never said, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Don't leave here today without doing that. That is the only way you're going to ever find the life that you're hoping to find that this, this world will never give you, but Jesus Christ can. You can be baptized into Jesus' name, come up out of that water full of the Holy Spirit, ready to lean into the storyline that he has for you now and experience that peace that passes all understanding, the joy that only he can provide, the unconditional love that he will give you, the forgiveness of the wrongs you've got in your life. And maybe some of us here in this room are joining us online. Maybe you have said at one time yes to Jesus, but for whatever reason, life has distracted you. There have been speed bumps along the way. You've got some anxious moments going on in your life right now. And I would encourage you as we sing this next song that you find one of those shepherd couples that will be gathered along the wall of this room. Go and pray with them. Let them remind you that you are fearfully, beautifully, wonderfully made in the image of God. And he loves you more than anything in this world. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. And in his resurrection, we've now conquered death and we're part of his family. Don't leave here without knowing and realizing and embracing. You're fearfully, beautifully made in the image of God. So let's stand together with one voice and praise his holy name this morning.